0: Hello and welcome to another episode of A Slice of Health, the Candid Health Chat podcast, where we slice away health truth from health fiction. Join me and my friends as we challenge common health myths via chit-chat, powered by several cups of coffee. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media and do visit us at asliceofhealth.club. Let's get to today's episode. On today's episode, we discuss health, diet, and boosting the immune system with Tai Ibitoye, a registered UK dietitian and doctoral researcher. You can find her on Instagram at Tai Talks Nutrition, where she debunks myths related to diet, nutrition and health. On this episode, we explore what it means to boost the immune system and if at all that is possible, why we chase from diet to diet. And she also explores why drinking supermalt every day is perhaps not a great idea. Welcome, Ty, to the episode. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Okay, sure. So, uh, my name is Ty. <laughs> um, I am a registered dietitian and a researcher based in London. Um, What I do on a typical working day is quite varied, so sometimes I see patients with different medical conditions like type 2 diabetes, um, cardiovascular disease, liver disease, um, cancer, you know, I see them all. And um, I basically provide advice on dietary treatments to help manage their conditions and also help them um, meet their nutritional requirements. Um, so that's what I do sometimes and then other times um, I'm involved in diet and nutrition related research and other times I teach undergraduate um, students who are studying nutrition so that's a bit about me. Um, I'm also active on social media. Um, so I have an Instagram page called Title Nutrition, and I basically debunk some nutrition myths um, and also provide some evidence based nutrition information.
0: That's awesome. That is absolutely fantastic. And (laughs) talking about the um, research part of things, um, I've been Mm -hmm. reading a bit about vitamin D, especially now in the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, Black and ethnic minority groups. Are are you able to shed any light on, on what exactly is going on with that?
1: yeah so um so my current research is not on vitamin d Uh, when i was doing my master's and for my thesis i did look at vitamin d but more so um looking at vitamin d status in caucasian women and southeast asian women and seeing if there was any associations between low vitamin d status and um, immune function which obviously now is quite um I guess it's quite fitting mm-hmm. now. I did that research years ago and it's quite interesting to see new studies looking out, looking at the role between vitamin D um, and it basically reducing the risk of certain um, infections mm-hmm. and more so respiratory infections like COVID-19. Um, and this current research, it's quite new, um, but based on this research, there's been um, some updates and certain guidelines especially in ireland Mm -hmm. where they are encouraging um people to to take um daily vitamin d supplements containing um 20 micrograms of vitamin d um, that's that's
0: higher than the normal um isn't it the 20 micrograms
1: yes so um in the uk um current guidelines says that we should take 10 micrograms of vitamin D um, and in Ireland is obviously a bit higher and I think it's to do with where Ireland is located um, I think where Ireland is located they don't really get much sunlight exposure um, and obviously with the whole like social distancing social isolation and um, people have to stay indoors so we're not really um, exposed to sunlight and um, so I think With Ireland, they've increased the amount to 20 micrograms, but in the UK or in London here, um, there isn't any guidance that we should increase our vitamin D dosage. Mm but based on that research, actually, researchers said that there isn't any harm in people increasing their vitamin D doses between 20 to 50 micrograms Um, is actually safe. So if individuals do choose to increase their dosage, then they can do so. Um, it's not going to um affect their health. It's not going to give them any adverse effects. So, yeah. So, yeah
0: okay so that's quite interesting to hear so obviously that means that you know the 20 micrograms on a daily basis could not then lead to vitamin d toxicity if you're keeping it at that level and i suppose that that is quite good um quite good information as well obviously other things that have come out with the um covid19 pandemic unfortunately have Mm -hmm. been quite a lot of whatsapp messages yes (laughs) you know um the the family groups um -hmm. i'm nigerian and yeah Yes. <laughs> or mothers and aunties always send you these forwarded messages
1: mm-hmm.
0: unfortunately you can't block your mums and aunties no you, you can't no um, I've been
1: tempted to <laughs> but yeah, <you> can't. <laughs> um,
0: but um what what exactly is this about boosting your immune system and is that actually a thing can you boost your immune system and can you do it with diet
1: yeah um so with I think it's just um so boosting is the incorrect term to use, and um, because you can't really boost the immune system. I mean, the immune system is a very complex system that involves different um, chemicals, different um, nutrients, um, and you can't really boost, you know, the functioning of the immune system. And I think in terms of um, people sending messages, I've got quite a few messages about garlic about lemon abusing the immune system and I think people have just been misinformed um so let me just start that there isn't a single nutrient food or supplement that can protect you from the virus and there isn't a single food nutrient or supplement that can actually boost the immune system I think the right terminology to use is that there are certain foods that can support the immune system but not boost the immune system. Um, And there are different foods that provides us with different nutrients that are essential in supporting the immune system. And I think with certain foods like, for example, I received quite a lot of messages about garlic. um, And garlic doesn't boost the immune system. But garlic contains important minerals that are needed and um, to um, maintain the immune system like copper um, and also like vitamin C, which are very important. Um, and also when you actually eat things like garlic, you're not actually getting the full recommended um daily intake of copper or vitamin c you'll need to eat different types of foods in order to get that maximum amount um and also with lemon as well i've heard lots of information about lemon and which is really good for the immune system and it is to an extent because it contains vitamin c um, and vitamin c is very essential for the immune system but one slice of lemon contains about two milligrams of vitamin c Um, Adults in the UK need about 40 milligrams of vitamin C. So you can't really get all your vitamin C by eating lemon or putting lemon in hot water. Um, It doesn't work like that. And actually, when it comes to lemon, I've also received quite a few messages that you need to put lemon in hot water. Um, It helps to boost the immune system. But vitamin C is very sensitive to heat. So even if you put lemon, in hot water you can actually lose some of the um, vitamin c and um, because obviously vitamins and um, lemon is very heat sensitive um so yes yeah, so there isn't um one single food or supplement that can actually help to support the immune system we need to eat different types of foods in order to do so
0: and that that is actually great and that brings us on to um the, the rest of the conversation that we're going to have in terms of talking about how we eat and why why we eat um mm-hmm. and the kind of things that we eat and what we put in our diet so <laughs> my first question to you is why why do we eat why do we eat food
1: Yep. okay so we eat food for different reasons um essentially we need food to improve our general health and um, different foods provide different benefits. So some foods are essential for our cardiovascular health, some foods are essential for our eye health, some foods are essential for our digestive health. And um, so, yeah, so we need to eat foods for our general well-being and for our general health um food is also a source of enjoyment as well so there's quite a lot of focus on the health benefits of food but food also provides us um enjoyment it gives us that social um feeling you know sometimes when people eat food they eat food with their families they eat food with their friends um and it gives you that um element of social well-being we also eat food for our mental health so we know that um, there are foods that contain important nutrients for our mental well-being. Um, so yeah, so we eat food for different reasons, um, and it's not just about health. Um, so yeah,
0: and that's great in terms of talking about eating food for enjoyment because um, <laughs> that then brings us into sort of dieting culture and mm-hmm. um, why why we diet. Especially, yeah. you know, we have a lot of people. I have a friend who's a serial dieter. Okay. Um, and between last year and this year, she's been on four different diets.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she's not lost any weight. Um, mm. Always about trying to lose weight and trying to, um, you know, do the new, the new fad. Um, why do you think that people are so keen on trying lots of different diets to either lose weight or... Mm-hmm health beliefs
1: there are different reasons for that Um, so one reason um, is that we currently live in a world where diet culture is very prevalent yeah Um, and diet culture um, in terms of the definition of it is basically um, a system of different beliefs practices and behaviors that people have created and this is based on the idea that being thin, losing weight, is basically a reflection of good health, self-worth, respect, discipline. People feel like if they feel if they lose weight, they may feel happier. Um, and also with this whole diet culture as well, it basically gives people the idea that if you're not thin or if you're overweight or obese, that basically you're doing something wrong. Um, and Diet culture is very common on social media platforms, so there are a lot of um social media influencers and um, celebrities who are pushing this culture, pushing it to other people, um and it's quite wrong. And you know, people who do follow these social media influencers and celebrities, and um, they feel like they they need to lose weight in order to look like them or in order to feel good, which is quite um. Which is quite sad actually. Um, and with this diet culture as well, um, it basically um encourages people to be on certain diets so restrict certain food groups, um, and also it also demonizes certain food groups as well. So some people say carbs are bad for you and stay away from fats, um, and it praises certain foods as well. Um and I think it's it just causes a lot of confusion amongst other people, in terms of what they should be eating and what they shouldn't be eating, and people and hence why people go on different diets because with diet culture things change and things um, come on trend on different days, different weeks. So maybe one day the keto diet is a big thing and um is the thing that people want to do, and then maybe and um, the following week it's a low carb diet that is hot hot at the moment and people want to start doing start being on that diet so um with diet culture things changes and there are different trends that people feel like they need to um follow which is quite um harmful
0: yeah yeah and in terms of picking a diet so why do you think people pick certain diets? so obviously with with the keto keto diet, it's all about trying to minimize how much carbs you're having mm-hmm. and actually diet um you know a dietary intake of things that are higher in fat content mm-hmm. um, and there's been a bit of research into probably quite anecdotal really in terms of um, a ketotic diet being able to reverse diabetes in some people Mm. and obviously you then have quite a lot of people then driving themselves towards that diet and then having dire consequences what would you say to people before they pick any one of these diets especially because we don't know how anyone Mm. responds to it on the other side yeah
1: um so from what I've seen um the reasons why people tend to follow certain diets is based on um other another person's success story Mm. um so i know the keto diet and there's quite a few people but a lot of people who've been very successful on that diet who've lost a lot of weight and people think that okay if that person's lost x amount of weight that means I can Um, and people need to know that one size doesn't fit all when it comes to nutrition so what works for one person might not actually work for another person and it can be potentially dangerous as well Mm. so people need to know that dietary needs differs differs from person to person and you know people may have different medical conditions and different risk factors, different body compositions and different cultures, religion, um, ethical values that can actually um, inform their dietary choices. And so before people actually follow um, a certain diet, they need to actually consult with their GP um, or a health professional like a dietitian to see if it's actually safe for them to follow Certain diets, um I have read news articles on people who followed um certain diets and they've had poor health outcomes yeah. um as a result of it and so it's really important that people um know that you know one size doesn't fit all and um just because somebody did well on um a certain diet doesn't mean that they they will actually get the same results. Mm-hmm. um because how we are made our bodies are completely different how we uh, metabolize certain foods is completely different how we tolerate certain foods is completely different and so we need to know that our bodies are different our bodies are unique um, and we all need different dietary needs as well so yeah
0: yeah and that's that's quite important, um, and obviously every time we talk about diets that as I was mentioning about you know a friend of mine switching between lots of different diets in the span of twelve months
1: mm-hmm.
0: how I always find that when whenever I meet people who are dieting in terms of on a specific diet so um whether it's the Cambridge diet or Newcastle diet you know um Atkins diet from several years ago Mm -hmm. I feel as though they always jump from one diet to another is there a reason for that and is there a a way to sort of predict who is going to then become someone who jumps between diets yes
1: um, so I think with any diet, any restrictive diet, it's not always sustainable. And um, that's why some people, they tend to do well within the first couple of days or even the first couple of weeks, and then they fall off because, you know, you can't sustain, it's not sustainable at all. Um, And so people will lose weight and then when they've stopped being on that diet, they will gain the weight back on. Mm -hmm. And then they will associate, The fact that they've gained weight with that diet and feel like okay maybe I wasn't really successful on that diet let me try another diet and then the cycle just continues they will lose weight and because the diet is not sustainable they will stop that diet they will gain the weight back on and then they want to try another new diet that will give them that weight loss effect Um, and then it just it's just a continual cycle, um, so I think because diets in general are not sustainable and people do not stick to it long term, um, they tend to just jump on from jump from one diet to another diet
0: mm. and seeing as diets are not sustainable then in that situation, um, mm-hmm. you're not then going to be able to stick to a specific diet, especially a restrictive one. Mm-hmm. What would you then recommend? that our diet should actually look like so when, when i say our diet i mean what we eat what should mm-hmm. actually look like um mm-hmm. to avoid this restrictive pattern of jumping from one inefficient diet to another
1: yeah um so um for the general population um we should follow a diet that is based on the eat well guide Um, i'm not sure if you've heard of it actually i'm sure you have anyway <laughs> um but basically the eat well guide shows us how much we should eat overall from different food groups in yeah. order to achieve a healthy balanced diet mm-hmm. um and so with the eat well guide there are different components of it and um, so different food group components so one of um, the food group components is fruits and vegetables um, and the government advised that um, we should have at least five portions of fruits and vegetables a day and um, one portion is about 80 grams um, which is basically the size of the palm of your hand and um, so in total we should have about 400 grams of fruits and vegetables a day um, so that's Something that we should be including in our diet on a daily basis. Um, Another thing that we should be including in our diet, which is based on the Eat Well Guide, is starchy carbohydrates. Um, and I know there are some people who say oh carbs is the enemy carbs is bad for you um, but actually carbs is one of the main sources of energy mm-hmm. we get most of our energy from eating carbohydrates and also it contains important minerals like iron and it also contains fiber which is needed for our um, for our gut health um, so starchy carbohydrates are foods that we should include in our diet and where possible we should include um, whole grain versions. So things like brown rice, um, brown pasta, brown bread, um, bulgur wheat, lentils and things like that. Those are the things that we should be including in our diet. And um, Another component of the Eat Well Guide is dairy and dairy alternatives. Um, and these are good sources of calcium, which is needed for our bones and for our teeth. So including things like milk, yogurt, cheese, um, and dairy alternatives are things like soy milk, soy yogurt, um, tofu. These are things that we should be including in our diet. Um, And also we should be basing our diet around protein. So including protein food sources like beans, pulses, fish, eggs and meat. Um, But when it comes to meat, actually, we should be more mindful on how much meat we are actually eating because we know that regular meat consumption can increase the risk of bowel cancer. And so um, we should be more mindful on how much we're actually eating. So those are the main food components that we should be including in our diet. Um, And then just general things like um, being more mindful of foods that contain um, a lot of fat, a lot of sugar and a lot of salt. Mm. Um, And we should be eating these things less often and in small amounts because What we do know is that um, a regular consumption of high-fat, salt and sugary foods can increase our risk of chronic diseases. Um, And so it's not to say you shouldn't eat it at all, but I like to say moderation is key. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And also ensuring um, good hydration. So making sure that you are staying hydrated, drinking lots of fluids. Um, The Eat Well Guide suggests that we have... um, between six to eight glasses of water a day. Well, not water, fluids a day, but ideally it's being water. Yeah. Uh, but then if people choose not to drink water, because I know there are some people who don't like the taste of water, and I'm just like, huh? <laughs> I didn't know you can taste water, but okay. Um, but when it comes to fluids, maybe having things like low calorie juices, um, teas and coffee can contribute towards your fluid intake. Um, soups also contains um, a lot of fluids so having lots of soups, having lots of stews um, and even um, fruits, um, some fruits have a high water content like strawberries, watermelon, melon and so having more of those in your diet.
0: Yeah and I think in terms of water drinking as well I think that often is because people are used to the taste of sweet drinks mm-hmm. um, and i think when you're so used to the taste of um, pop coca-cola mm. juice, wine cocktails mm-hmm. that are all really high in sugar content
1: mm-hmm. when
0: you then drink something that is bland like water that yeah. like it has no taste it feels quite foreign to you mm-hmm.
1: yeah and, and, and I, so
0: I think yeah.
1: That's, yeah and i think um And I 100% agree with you, actually. And I think there are some things that people can do. So when they're having their water, they can infuse it with fruits and like strawberries and lime, lemon, to give it that sweet taste, um, which is an option for individuals who don't like the taste of water.
0: And I was going to ask you a few questions, actually, about a few specific things, but I'm going to ask you a question about something you've not mentioned yet. Um, and being a Nigerian, um, I'm obsessed with malt. <laughs> 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 um, and it's just because, you know, a few, you know, a few decades ago, they used to say to women that were pregnant at the time that, you know, they should have a glass of Guinness. Mm. Of daily because it contained quite a lot of nutrients, um, mm-hmm. and now you then have alternatives to the alcoholic forms of Guinness, which is basically sort of um, the malt drinks that we have. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand with malt drinks? Because I think they are quite also high in sugar, but we'll yes. have nutritional contents as well. So could you speak about that?
1: Yes. Um, so, um, super malt is quite high in sugar. Um, um one bottle which is about 330 mils contains 42.2 grams of sugar um, and that's equivalent to about 10 sugar cubes um, and this is quite <laughs> high, this is very high because in terms of the um, uk recommendation um adults living in the uk we should have no more than 30 grams of free sugars a day Mm -hmm. and so imagine if somebody drank one bottle of supermalt they're literally exceeding their recommended sugar intake um so yeah so um it is quite high in sugar um and i think Uh, it's a it's it's a hard one because this is not to say that people shouldn't drink supermo at all um they can but perhaps they can limit the amount that they do drink so instead of drinking the whole bottle maybe have half the bottle of supermo and then the other half the following day um because for some individuals they can be drinking that supermalt and then they can be eating other foods that contain a lot of sugar and you know you gradually you're increasing your sugar intake and uh, which is not really um good for your health. Um so I think it's just being more mindful on how much you're actually drinking. Yeah. Um I know that supermalt actually have a less sugar version. Oh really? Um, it does. Yes, but I haven't seen it in the shops, but I know on the website, the supermarket website, and there is a low, there's a less sugar um, version. And I think that contains about 25 grams of sugar. Um, but even so, that's still quite high, considering that, you know, we should have no more than 30 grams of sugar a day. So you're kind of, you know, Having most of your sugar intake by drinking that drink, um, so I think you know individuals should just limit their consumption of super malt if yes. they can.
0: That's quite interesting because I was just because when you started talking about the um, super malt and how much um, sugar it actually contained,
1: mm-hmm. i was actually
0: looking at my preferred malt drink because mm-hmm. I actually prefer malt to Guinness. Okay. Um, and just looking on here on their website, it actually says that um, carbohydrates of which sugars is actually sixteen grams in um, per hundred mils. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that probably comes to about the same because each bottle is about three hundred and thirty mils, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so it probably comes to about the same as super malt really. Yep. So it does yep. seem like a lot of all these malt drinks are actually quite high in sugar, and that's yep. probably because of the way they're made because they're made from barley, aren't they? Yes. Um, and obviously that that is um, that is a carbohydrate. But coming back to the Eat Well Guide. Um, mm-hmm. There's been some criticism of the Eat Well Guide because it's not been revised for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously with, with social media, lots of um, online nutritionists, um, mm-hmm. online, doctors, yeah. online gastroenterologists. And yes. especially with the, now, I think in the UK, we were sort of separated from the US in terms of the things that they did. But now, mm-hmm. with social media and the internet and instagram we all kind of it's everything it's just all one national village really an international village um and there's been a lot of hate towards dairy okay.
1: um,
0: is there anything that you can say to that so in terms of like animal dairy and sort of milk cheese those kinds of things there's been a lot of um you know Negative press around it, saying that mm. actually it is it is a major issue, and obviously we're also seeing a rise in um, something called cow's milk um, protein allergy in mm-hmm. children as mm-hmm. well, which we never really used to see sort of going back sort of ten years ago when I was getting into medical school. Mm-hmm. Is there
1: is there anything that you could you could say towards that? Yeah. Um, so yes, there is a lot of negative press around dairy and dairy products um and just to I guess answer that question um so first I'm just going to bust some myths surrounding dairy um and then I will also talk about um I guess and dairy requirements in for the UK population as well Um, so in terms of the myths around dairy I've heard a lot um Such as that dairy is not good for you; it's bad for the heart. Um, There's quite a lot of information online about um, removing dairy from your um, removing dairy from your diet, especially Mm -hmm. if you have PCOS or fibroids, um, and also things like um, milk contains pus and um, hormones from the cows. And and there's just all sorts of (laughs) information around dairy and are all false and there's no evidence to support these information Um, and when it comes to um, food companies especially in the UK um, before a food can be displayed on the shelves it needs to be regulated and so if a certain food group was um, I guess unsafe for us and it wouldn't be on the shelves um, because um, with the UK, especially, um, the food um, organisations, they really do, um, they check all their food products to see, to deem it as safe for the population. And so, yeah, there isn't any um, health implications of having dairy from your diet. Um, but there are some people who should stay away from dairy. Um, so, obviously, people who have um, a dairy allergy. Mm-hmm. they shouldn't be having dairy from their, dairy in their diet. Um, and also um, vegans, so people who are on a vegan diet, they would obviously need to restrict dairy um, from their diet for ethical reasons. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of um, negative press about it, but dairy is actually a really good source of so many um, vitamins and minerals, such as um, protein, protein, which is needed for our muscle repairs it um, helps us feel stronger. Um, and it also contains um, B vitamins, which are really essential for our health. Yeah. It contains iodine, it contains potassium, and all of these are really important for us. Um, some people do get worried about the fat content yeah. of dairy products. So some people think it's high in fats it's high in calories. But there are actually low fats and low sugar versions of dairy products. So, with milk, for example, and um, if you want to go for a healthier option, you can have skimmed milk or semi-skimmed milk, which is lower in calories. Um, or you can have a plant-based um, milk option like soy milk, almond milk, which is also good for you. um So... Yes, there's quite a lot of negative press about it. I don't think dairy is bad for you at all. It's very rich in vitamins and minerals, but um, obviously people, there are people out there who would need to restrict dairy from their diet for ethical reasons or cultural reasons or health reasons. Um, But before people, choose to restrict dairy from their diet they would need to speak to their doctor or a health professional for um, obviously further advice and guidance yeah
0: and what about um currently there's quite a lot of um promotion of the veganism as well um a lot of hate as well towards sort of animal um animal products including fish is there any actual evidence to say that actually eating um meats, red meat, white meat, fish. Does that actually promote cardiovascular disease? Does that actually promote cancer? Because I think the the push towards veganism and maintaining sort of an alkaline based diet now is about people saying that on these kinds of diet you cannot um, get cancer and you cannot get sick, which obviously is not absolutely true. Because definitely in my practice I've, I've seen patients who are vegans who have had cancer, mm-hmm. who have had all sorts of diseases, who have had yep. heart disease, um, who've had strokes, who who have had you know? I have a lot of vegan patients who are diabetic mm-hmm. uh, and are type two diabetic, not not even type one. So, what? Where exactly did where exactly did that come from? And is it based in any evidence at all?
1: Yeah. Um, so regarding meat, um, well, red meat especially, um, there is some evidence that shows that um, if you eat meat on a regular basis, that it may increase your risk of bowel cancer. Um, I haven't heard anything about cardiovascular disease as of yet. I think there may be some studies about linking red meat to cardiovascular disease, but I think with bowel cancer, there are a lot of studies um, linking um, frequent consumption of red meat to bowel cancer. Um, And that's why currently in the uk there's guidance that tells us that we should limit our consumption of red meat and um, so individuals should eat um for well, individuals who eat more than 90 grams of red meat and um, which is i guess 90 grams is basically the size of the palm of your hand and yeah. um, so people who eat more than that should cut down their meat consumption to about 70 grams and um, to reduce the risk of bowel cancer. So, that is current UK guidance. Um, and I think people also need to know the differences between red meat, processed meat, and also white meat as well. Mm-hmm. People tend to categorize meat as one thing. So, red meat um, are meats such as um, beef, lamb, pork, mutton, goat. So red meat so we can eat these types of meats but in moderation um and there's processed meat and processed meat is the one that we know that if we eat too much of it it can actually cause bowel cancer and processed meats are meats such as sausages bacon ham salami some canned meats like corned beef um so these are processed meats, um, and we know that you know regular consumption of red meat and processed meat can, or may rather, um, cause bowel cancer. Mm-hmm. But meats like chicken, turkey, um, goose, rabbits, um, there isn't any evidence to suggest that um, if you eat these types of meat that it would cause bowel cancer or even cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. Um, but what people should be mindful of is how they prepare and how they cook these meats. So we know that um, some meats are quite high in fat and that's because they have a lot of fat surrounding it. So when people are cooking um, these type of meats, they should remove any visible meat. Um, um, Sorry, remove any visible fat um around the meat before they um, cook it and before they eat it as well. Um, because that fat contains saturated fat Mm. um, and we know that um, high intakes of saturated fat can actually um, increase your risk of cardiovascular disease. And I think um, based on this, I guess, research or based on these guidelines, people think that, okay, because we need to limit our consumption of red meat Um, and on the back of that there's lots of evidence showing that having a plant-based diet uh, is good for you and it can reduce your risk of lots of chronic diseases like cardiovascular disease and cancer and stroke and type 2 diabetes and so there's a push for more people to include more plant-based options in their diet and reduce their intake of um, meat-based food products Mm -hmm. and that's not to say that know meat is bad for you because it really isn't and meat is a very good source of iron if anything um, red meat contains more iron than plant-based options Um, and obviously we need iron for um, our blood Um, and we need it for hemoglobin which helps to transport um, oxygen around the body and red meat is also a good source of B vitamins which people who are on a plant-based diet actually lack um so you know red meat isn't bad for you but we know that it's good to eat things in moderation Mm -hmm. and eating too many foods can actually not be good for you so moderation is key um so with the plant-based diet it encourages people to eat more fruits and vegetables includes more whole grains in their diet more pulses which Lots of studies have shown it's good for heart health, it's good for the digestive system, it's good for everything, really. Um, but that's not to say that a plant-based diet is healthy, and that's not to say also that a vegan diet is a healthy option, mm-hmm. because although it encourages people to eat more plant-based options. And people like to, so, well, some people like to bend the rules a bit and be like, oh, I can eat a vegan ice cream you know it's plant-based it's healthy for me but ice cream is ice cream you know whether it's vegan or not you know it will contain the similar amount of calories that a non-vegan ice cream has Mm. it will probably contain similar amount of sugar Mm. similar amount of fats as well and so um you know whether just because foods that are high in fat salt and sugar um is vegan friendly doesn't mean that it's actually healthy and so i think people also need to be more mindful of that Mm -hmm. and um with plant-based diets as well it can actually meet all of your nutritional requirements if it's done properly i feel that people need to be educated on different food groups that contain certain nutrients because as i mentioned um with red meat, it contains vitamin B12, but there not many foods um, in the plant-based diet that contains vitamin B12. Um, so people need to be more educated, know what foods contains um, important nutrients, and whether they need to pro- probably supplement um, missing nutrients um, in their diet.
0: That's 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 really interesting to hear as well in terms of sort of the benefits of plant-based diet, but then also separating different kinds of meat as well. Um, just because I think there's always sort of this negative press that all meat is bad, but then actually understanding what the contents of each meat is and how much of it you should actually be eating. And you know, you know, if you're eating sausages, bacon and spam. Mm-hmm. That, or you're me then obviously that is a problem um, yeah. I'm just, yeah i'm just trying to understand um all of that that is that has been absolutely fantastic ty um no so why don't you give us a championship point for today's episode
1: okay so number one would be um when it comes to nutrition one size doesn't fit all and so what works for someone in terms of the diet they were on may not actually work for you And so. It's to know that you shouldn't compare your body composition to someone else. You shouldn't really compare someone's success story, um, that you should focus on your body, focus on your dietary needs and seek advice from a um, nutrition professional, um, like a dietitian or registered nutritionist, um, for more guidance and more advice on what you actually need to be eating, whether that's for health reasons or for weight loss reasons so that's number one and number two I guess it's quite fitting for the current situation we're in at the moment that um, no single food nutrient or supplement can prevent you from getting um, coronavirus and there isn't any specific food or supplement that can boost the immune system Um, and that people should have more of a healthy and varied diet to support um, normal immune functioning and um, rather than eating garlic <laughs> or putting lemon in their hot water. They should basically have a healthy balanced diet to support the immune system. A vegan diet is not a healthy diet. <laughs> um, there are um, vegan options of ice cream, Pizza as well. i uh, didn't know there's a vegan chicken and chips until somebody told me last week that there's vegan chicken and chips. Um but yes, um a vegan diet is not always a healthy diet. Um, you can have foods that are high in fat, salt yeah. and sugar. Yeah. Um and also you need to be you need to be careful and be more mindful of the type of foods you are eating because you might be missing some important nutrients and so it's just to be more um, aware and i guess be more educated yeah. on what foods you need to eat that are vegan friendly that can actually provide you with the nutrition that you need
0: that's great that is awesome thank you so much for coming on no you're welcome thank you for joining us on today's episode do share this podcast with two people who have not heard about us before Remember that this podcast in no way replaces advice from your own doctor or physician. Do subscribe and follow us on social media. Leave us a review on iTunes so that others can access the amazing content. And do join the club at a asliceofhealth.club and drop us some suggestions or questions that you might have. Don't forget to be a health champion wherever you go by separating health fact from health fiction.